Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the weekly podcast that discusses faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility in the hopes of inspiring and equipping you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of beyond the rut. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry, and in just a moment, Brandon is going to join me as we have a conversation with marriage coach, Bill Hutchinson. Bill Hutchinson just released a book a few months ago about having a healthy marriage, having a thriving marriage, one built on selfless love for your partner. So in this episode, we're going to dive into how, one, he proposed to his wife, and it was almost as botched as my proposal to my wife uh, as we compared stories to kick this off. Now, you missed my story. Uh, however, Bill shares his, and then he gets into why he got into coaching married couples specifically and some practical tips for you to strengthen your marriage. It was a great conversation. It was like sitting down with a wise sage who just had story after story to tell that was both entertaining and enlightening at the same time. Now to give you some background about how I proposed to my wife and what a miracle it is that I was loved by somebody so much to be so forgiving because basically we were talking about the possibility of getting married and I just simply turned to her and said, you want to? And she said, yes. So if that can happen for me, something much better can happen for you, of course. So sit back and relax unless you're driving, operating heavy machinery, or getting chewed out by your boss. Um, as we have this conversation with Bill about his proposal to his wife, his story of helping other couples live fulfilled marriages, and having a marriage that isn't just about happiness, but about purpose. Here we go. Uh, I saw her the first day of chapel. I sat sitting on the front row, 60 great singers, violin, the men in the back, and then, you know, the basses, the tenors, the altos, the sopranos. She is the next to the last soprano on my side, green eyes, long hair, beautiful woman. I didn't hear a word the preacher said that day. <laughs> I started stalking this woman, a certain she must be married, but uh, that was like Wednesday and on no, Tuesday it was. And on Saturday, there was a picnic for students from Georgia, and I met her there. Um, I knew two other guys were going to ask her out, but I beat them. <laughs> and we went out the next weekend, and uh, they didn't have a chance after that because I, I didn't leave her alone, <laughs> and apparently she didn't want to be left alone. So that's Labor Day weekend, 76. Uh, her birthday is October 24th, so that one's on a Sunday. We cut church that morning. We went to a private, 300-acre private uh, forest south of Louisville called Bernheim Forest. Beautiful place. And uh, had a magical day. She had made a picnic lunch, and we spent the day, came home that day. It was just, the weather was great. She was beautiful. I was in love. Didn't know she was, but thought she was. Anyway, we came home, redressed, went to church together, and on our way to Pizza Hut that night. Well, that's her story. My, my memory was we were sitting in Pizza Hut. In a corner, there was that red candle, you know, yeah. shining in her face, 
and she was saying something and something just flowed out of my mouth that uh, I had not planned. I was just looking at her and I said, I think I have found the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with. And it surprised me. It surprised her. She dropped her jaw and she said, okay, yes. Wow. <laughs> and so I never told her then. And now, now we've been married this coming January, 43 years, but about <clears throat> six, seven years ago, I admitted to her that she has not let me live it down since. That is so, Jerry, I understand that, though I haven't lived 18 years with it. I've lived about six or seven with that. And, of course, she's told everyone. But uh, that's kind of how we got started. It, it's, you know, I'm an extrovert and I have to think out loud. Yep. And uh, I did. And, and it worked. Yeah, she said yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Funny if you'd have said, I was just asking if you wanted some breadsticks. I don't know what you heard, but... <laughs> No, 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 no. And even those listening in right now are still like thinking probably, Jerry, Bill's proposal was still smoother than yours. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was not planned. Uh, It was it was accidental smoothness. I'll tell you, man. It was that was smooth though. That was good. Sometimes it just comes together with or without us, you know. Yes, it does. Years later, you'd have to say that it works. And it must have. I think think she's going to keep me. (laughs) <laughs> no things have flowed out of my mouth that did not produce a 43-year good thing. <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> Mine, too. So how long, again, have you been married? This January will be 43 years. Yep. Almost as long as you've been on the planet. It, it is, actually. I'm 43. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, when I came into the world screaming and kicking, uh, you convinced a lady to marry you in a pizza hut. So that, uh, and as far as we know, those are not related. So no, no, no not related. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, we know who my dad is. We've had him in the background of the show. <laughs> We've been hiking with him a couple yeah. times. So yeah. Oh man. Uh, so the cool thing, the reason why we had you come onto the show, and we're glad that we were able to connect through. I believe it was interview valet. Uh, yes. Is that on Beyond the Rut, we talk about there are five circles in our lives that or five compartments in a sense. and Five boxes. Five boxes, five containers, five Tupperware pieces, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> there are five Fs uh, in our lives. And, and for us, we feel those are our faith, our families, our fitness, our finances, and our future growth. And we haven't really talked a whole lot about family in the four-ish years we've been doing this show. And Um, four is an F word, too. It it is. (laughs) For alliteration, we got that going. Uh, And so we... A four-letter F word. You guys, I love you guys. The four-letter F word you can say. (laughs) You're just speaking my nerd language now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Brandon, take over. So we wanted to focus this episode on family because we both, uh, we talk a lot about uh, all the problems of the world and, you know, just pick your problem and they can all be traced back in some way to a stronger family could have either prevented it or at least helped it in some way. And, and strengthening families starts with strengthening marriages. So that's, that's kind of how we got involved with you. And uh, tell us a little bit about how you got into that type ministry or what really drives you to uh, do that. Well, um, I had to go back a long way. Uh, when I was 
a late teenager and then into college, I thought that I was going to be in uh, clinical counseling. And so I spent the first two years at at, uh, my alma mater, Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, uh, as a uh, thinking I was going into psychology. Actually, one when I was 19 and in my uh, it was fall of 74 and I was a sophomore in a psychology class. And, um, you know, at that point I began to sense that God was calling me into the ministry and I struggled a bit with that, which is another story. But, uh, I, uh, finally said, okay, God, I'll be a Christian clinical counselor. And so I finished a degree there in, in, Christian religion, not in psychology, thinking I'd go to seminary and get all of the training there. Started seminary, uh, spent a couple of years working toward being a a counselor. And and I was one of those guys who crammed three years of work into four because I thought I was going to get a PhD and I wanted to keep my grades up. Uh, Well, uh, God had a plan and he does have a sense of humor because (laughs) my wife uh, now, the lady who would become my wife uh, went to uh, seminary as well in Louisville, Kentucky, at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in the music school, uh, voice performance. And so uh, we met there, and she'd been told before she left her home, oh, you're going to go up there and marry a preacher. She said, I'm not going to marry a preacher. Well, we married in January 78, and I was not a preacher. I was going to be a counselor. And the end of that month and the 1st of February, God changed it again. And I realized I was being called to a pastorate. So I had to go and admit that to her. Uh, and, uh, she, she kept me, Jerry, she kept me, Awesome, good. <laughs> but, uh, nevertheless, um, uh, I went into the pastorate, but with a real passion for counseling. And so one of the things that I realized even as my wife and I met with her pastor and he spent 30 whole minutes preparing us, which was mostly about what, when, where, and how, instead of how are you going to stay together all your life? And, and me being an only brat, my wife says, look, you needed a whole lot more time than that. <laughs> and so <laughs> as I started working with couples in preparation for marriage, I decided I was going to do more than was done for me. Oh, I loved the pastor and he was a dear friend. Uh, that was just not his zone of genius, you know? So um, I took what I did and over the years developed a process of six to eight hours of FaceTime with about two to three hours of fun homework. And uh, it seemed to work and make a difference in people's lives. And so, um, and really that was other than preaching and teaching and that was the thing I enjoyed the most was working with couples. So I retired the end of 2016 after 23 and a half years here in Dahlonega, uh, 36 years in ministry. It was time for me to to go and I wasn't sure what I would do. Uh, You know, I didn't want to retire (laughs) completely. And uh, so actually it took a year, but the idea came up one day. It's a long story. I won't bore you with, but uh, about being a coach. And I looked at it for about 30 minutes and said, is this what I'm supposed to do? And I realized I'd kind of been doing that for 30 years. Right. And um, 
And it gave me an opportunity to do one of the things I love the most. And I didn't have to go to any board meetings or any committee meetings or anything like that. So, hey, That's- you know, it was really a win situation for me. Yes. And <laughs> Uh, you know, that's how I got into it. And, and, and I dearly love it. I will do it as long as I have sanity and voice, you know? So, so this book kind of came out of you. Had you written a book before? Was that something you had a passion for writing at all or? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use cap show to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. I, I did. I wanted to. Uh, I had been told by numerous people I should because of some other things that I'd done, not books. But in fact, I was actually on YouTube the day that this whole idea of coaching came to my mind. I was looking at a, at an, a fellow who teaches people how to write and you know how they stack the, the other videos maybe of similar interest on, on the right hand side. The top one of those was uh, Angela Loria, the author incubator. And for some reason, I think I know why, but for some reason, I just decided I'm going to look at that. That sounds interesting, author incubator. And she wanted to work with people who wanted to be coaches who had never written. And I was he. Huh. And that's so. That's quite a coincidence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's what, it's amazing how many coincidences happen when God's involved, you know? So anyway, I, uh, I went with Angela, wrote a book, uh, it, published on Amazon as uh, Marriage Happiness is Possible was the title of the book, but it was picked up by Morgan James Publishers out of uh, New York and Virginia, and uh, we changed the name to Marriage Maximized. Uh, the subtitle is you know, The Guide to a Purposeful and Passionate Relationship, and um, that will come out in um, in April, uh, April of 2020. So uh, um, that book really contains the nuts and the bolts of what I do with couples. Uh, not everything, but, but uh, enough that people understand, you know, I love the concept because uh, I, I do premarital counseling and some people are like, well, about 20 minutes in, they're like, well, that's enough. Right. And it's like, you realize <laughs> in order to get a divorce, you're usually meeting with attorneys for like hours so going into it, meeting with the pastor for more than 30 minutes seems like a really good idea that hopefully will prevent the other one. But if you don't go into it and ask certain questions and kind of get set up for it, because the the biggest expert on marriage are people who have never been married. And then whenever yes. <laughs> you, you get into the marriage, you're like, well, I never thought things could go wrong because she's so wonderful and I'm so wonderful. It's like, well, guess what? You're going to have an argument about something. <laughs> And we were so happy when we were dating and, you know, so happy. Well, most people, I think, 
Brandon, really come to people like you and me for wedding preparation, not marriage preparation. Exactly. And I, before I would agree to work with anyone, even as a pastor, I, I told the church, there's one thing I'll not budge on for anyone. And that's if they're not willing to go through my preparation, I'm not willing to marry them. I will refer them to someone, right. justice of the peace, to some pastor who would be glad to do it. But, uh, and I would tell them up front, I, we're going to spend six to eight hours, maybe longer face to face preparing you for marriage. Um, we will spend of that time about 30 to 45 minutes preparing you for a wedding. Right. That's all. Exactly. And there's a big difference, yep. you know, because my, my goal is to make sure that you can last, right. You know, you've got tools in your tool belt to, to repair and build your relationship. So that's my goal. That's such a great uh, kind of concept, especially yeah. as a pastor. And a pastor told me a, a long time ago, before I started doing weddings, he said, you know, you're responsible for each one of these weddings. So yes. don't just run out and marry somebody and then, you know, never care about it or worry about it again. It's like, yeah. make sure you're not setting somebody up for failure just so you can say some vows and, and, <laughs> and move on because it ultimately is on you yeah. you know you you've endorsed this you've you've kind of put your name to this marriage so not and, and we a little deeper is dangerous there's a, i heard dennis rainey say once not in person but on a video that uh he imagines like when there's couples that are struggle who are struggling that god is saying you know you invited me to the wedding yes invite me into the marriage right and uh, so what are some of the concepts that you do cover with that premarital um coaching side. Oh. Well, the very first thing is the spiritual foundation. Mm -hmm. In in my estimation, guys, the the one issue that uh is missing, the one ingredient, uh I'm thinking of Mike Bullock terms here. I remember I, I listened to his uh thing. The one ingredient missing in marriage is is a, a divine purpose. Yeah. Um uh, most everybody I know thinks that the purpose of marriage is happiness. And I try to disabuse people of that idea. Now, please hear me. I, I want everybody to be happy. And I think God wants us to be happy. I'm certain he does. However, happiness is not the goal of marriage. Exactly. I, I try to tell people that, you know, it, it, happiness is not the cake. It's not the icing. It's the sprinkles on the icing on the cake. It makes it look better. Uh, doesn't do much for the taste at all. Um, and, and if you take them off, and if you take the icing off, you still need to have the cake for it to be a cake. You know, um, the, the, the foundation is that. And, and the way I go about helping people understand the foundation is to look at God's intention in marriage, which is um, to use each spouse to communicate his love to the other. So that in, in my relationship, the greatest purpose I have is to be the vessel or the channel through which God communicates his love to my wife. So that when she knows, when Mary Beth, that's my wife's name, when Mary Beth feels loved. It's not just from Bill, it's from God. So if that happens, she's going to be happy. However, if I try just to make her happy, that doesn't make her feel loved by God. So 
really the true purpose for marriage, and this is the foundational thing, the first thing I try to communicate is God wants to use marriage to make you holy. And if he makes you, if, if, if you can make each other holy as instruments in his hands, then you will be happy. But if you make happiness the goal, you will never experience what God intended for you. So that's the first thing. Second thing is uh, I talk about personality. I use a, a, a form of the Myers-Briggs personality or type indicator, uh, Kiersey temperament sorter, and uh, I help people understand they're one of 16 different personality types. This has nothing to do with pathology. This has everything to do with just how you're put together. Right. And primary way I use that, primarily I use that to help people understand the differences and how that makes them communicate or causes them to communicate differently. And especially in conflict resolution, because uh, I, I, if we have time for a little story, a personal story, I'll be glad to tell you before it. I realized all of this stuff uh, as a pastor, South Georgia, my wife had just had a, our first daughter. Uh, so this is like 81. Uh, we're in the church's home, which um, we're standing in the kitchen and we have this disagreement and, uh, and it became intense and so my wife retreats to the den right next door. And so I thought, I thought, thought to myself, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to, you know, this is important. We've got to talk this out. And so I followed her into the den and I started again asking her. And then she moved, you know, she took a, a, a left and went into the dining room. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you can't do that. And I followed her in there. She got up from the chair. She went into the living room and I followed her in there. And then she left there, huffed out of there, went, turned back around into the kitchen. We made a circle in the center of the house. And that happened about twice. Uh, now, once I learned about her personality, I realized I'm an extrovert. I can't think unless I speak. <laughs> I can't really process inwardly. She is as introverted as I'm extrovert, which means she has to process before she can speak. Speaking gets in the way of her processing. Mm -hmm. And I thought everybody just needed to talk this stuff out. And she wanted to talk it out, but she had to think it through first. I was thinking it through as we talked, which sometimes so. is dangerous, guys. It's really dangerous. There's a lot of people hearing that story going, but, but what he did was right. And there's some women out there going, but what she did was right. I don't see the problem. And they're, uh, they're processing it, too. It's like, oh, that's what I'm doing wrong. Well, and, and, and the upshot of that was, and we've been doing this for years, when I learned this and shared it with her, understood that she, she was just as committed to the relationship as am I, uh, but she needed that time. When we get into an argument now, and they're not as frequent and usually not as heated after 43 years, but you know we've, we've uncovered or marked most of the landmines, so we don't step on those, <laughs> but... Um, when we start, if if she's not able to talk, then I will say to her something like, and this is usually exactly it, how much time do you need? Do you need 15 minutes, 30 minutes? If she says, I'm going to need longer, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know? But I'll come back in the 15 minutes or 30 minutes and I'll say, uh, can you talk now? And, you know, she'll say yes or no. But that, it shows respect to her. Um, it, it, she felt bullied by me and I didn't realize it. 
the whole time she was feeling bullied by her, I was feeling as if she thinking that she didn't care as much about the relationship as I did. You've got to talk it out. Well, we do. And she did. But the personality issue is really important in communication and especially in conflict resolution. So I work with couples in that. And there are other areas that you, you can talk about that. The third thing we talk about is love languages. You know, uh, Gary Chapman's yep. five love languages. Uh, I have found that to be an extraordinarily great tool to use. Uh, and nothing I have is, is novel or unique. It's just put together, you know, but um, I started using that the year after he wrote the book, like 96, I started using that. Um, and what I do is I use it in a communication exercise. Couples will uh, watch the videos that I have. I loan out to them. They sit down then and they're not concerned about their own love language. They're concerned about their spouse's love language or their intended's love language. And then they write down 10 things based upon the primary and secondary love language. Then I have them go through and talk about that. And they, they really get the, 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 the list together uh, agreed upon. And when they bring it back to me, I would have my secretary put it in a small wallet sized laminated sheet. And I called it your get out of jail free card. There you go. And uh, that's pretty valuable. <laughs> oh, well, listen, I, I, one couple whom I married 25 years ago this March uh, contacted me at, on Facebook uh, at their anniversary. And he said, I still carry that card in my wallet. That is a smart man. <laughs> he is. And uh, uh, so I know it works. It works my own relationship. Right. Mine is, my language is physical touch. My wife's is quality time. Um, you know, there's a story that I wrote in the book about how I came about using the love languages in our own relationship in 1996. But uh, I discovered that, you know, giving my wife a sloppy kiss and slapping her on the fanny, you know, when I got home was great for me, but it, it just wasn't right. as good as sitting down and spending 20 minutes, no TV, no books, you know, just giving her undivided attention. And, uh, that's been an extraordinary thing. That's a great um, concept because what I, I, kind of do the same thing but i describe it as unmet and unspoken expectations i expect you to sit down with me for 20 minutes but i've never said it and we're not the smartest species so we we tend to just do what we think we should you know go get food fire and you know and all this but if you tell us what you want we can do it but women tend to respond with well i want you to just know and again we're not the smartest species you're you're putting way too much faith in us than you should if you just tell us, I want this, I want a red one, I want it this tall, and I want it on Tuesday, we'll pull that off. That's not a problem. <laughs> but that unspoken expectations can make you miserable. And like you said, happiness is not a byproduct of that kind of stuff. It, it no. will happen when you get to a certain point. But speaking out those expectations and knowing the love languages, that's a great Well, it, it is. And, and that's one of the things I talk about with communication, both love languages and with this, and then using the prepare enrich inventory. Uh, if you're familiar with that and I'll talk about that in a minute, if you want me to, but, uh, it uncovers if, if we use it wisely, it uncovers a number of uncommunicated or unconscious assumptions mm -hmm. and unexpressed expectations. 
and those are the real minefield of a marriage. I call it the potholes in Charity Lane, you know, the marriage road. Uh, and, and if I can help couples um, identify what those are and then give them the tools to repair it, then they can have a smoother marriage. And, but that's a huge issue, uh, Brandon, a huge issue. These, those unexpressed expectations that are formed out of our often unconscious assumptions. Exactly. And I love that pothole kind of concept because you can navigate a road with potholes in it. It's not removing the potholes. It's just letting you know where they are, control your speed, control kind of the, how many times you maybe drive down that road and (laughs) that could help you too. But knowing where those potholes are, it's like, okay, I know she normally expects this or he normally uh, likes this. Knowing that stuff ahead of time, you can control the drive a little bit better. It's a little less bumpy. You're still going to have those bumps, but you know how to deal with it. And and the, the beauty is if you know your spouse as your beloved's love language, uh, if you understand their personality, if that makes its way into a practical application in your life daily, then what was a pothole may even be repaired. Right. You don't just dodge it because uh, there are going to be potholes there that we can't repair. Right. They're just going to be things we can't repair. But uh, that's a that's a beautiful thought, though, to be uh, able to dodge that. I, I like that. I like that repair idea. It's like, you know, I, I hit this pothole every morning. How about I just try to repair that? And so, like you said, you come in and you have one concept of love language and she has another. Wow. I'm going to repair that pothole so I don't come in with that one anymore. And yes, uh, those are those are really, really easy. As you've been married 25, 30, 40 years, you you, you know them now. But in that first six months or six weeks, sometimes you're just daily uh, grinding on somebody or somebody's grinding on you because you've not spoken those. Maybe they're unconscious. Maybe they're just unspoken and you need to communicate that out. And and like you said, that that first date, you're, everybody's dressed nice. Their hair looks good. The makeup's good and the food's good. The location's good. But what happened? You don't burp in front of her the first date, you know. <laughs> You know, she hadn't seen the real you. She's seen about that's right percent of the real you. That's right. She doesn't know you drop your, your drawers in the floor, you know, and don't pick them up. So, you know, hey, I'm still questioning why they married us in the first place. But for uh, some reason, I, I appreciate women of lower standards. They're they're willing to, to take in somebody like me. But uh, some of it's the category of grace. It's grace. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> giving you what you don't deserve. <laughs> so what would you say this, the, the selfless love concept that, that your, your whole kind of ministry now is based on, yeah. what do you kind of foundationally drill that down to for somebody else? So what does that mean? Selfless love? Well, first of all, it, it it's based on some words of Jesus, Luke chapter nine, verse 23. If anyone would follow me, you must first deny himself then take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, I'd preached that many years relating to discipleship, but I began to realize it is very, very applicable to marriage because in relationship to Mary Beth, under God, my first job is to deny myself, deny myself my love language, deny myself. In other words, it doesn't mean you don't ever think about it, but it means I'm more interested in hers than mine. I'm going to put hers first. I'm going to be selfless and 
and her more. And so uh, to, to take up the cross daily means what is God's purpose for her life? Now, my wife is a phenomenal musician. She's uh, voice, sings like an angel. She can tear up a piano, organ. Um, so my job is to support her in whatever she feels like God wants her to do. And if I'm going to sacrifice, and that's what the cross is all about, sacrificing on behalf of another for God's will to be done in that person's life, that's what Jesus did for us. So if, if I'm going to sacrifice for her, then I, I've got to kind of put my stuff, my junk on the back burner. And then the follow me part is just to follow through with that. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to live it out, to walk it through. So that's the selfless love. And, and it also is about the language used in the New Testament. <clears throat> the Greek has seven words for love, four used in the New Testament. Um, we have one word to translate all four of those Greek words. So when I talk about marriage road, I, 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 I talk about the way the world looks at it as happiness boulevard, the winding, broad and winding, loud, bright, attractive way. And the other is the straight and narrow. So one is Happiness Boulevard and the other is Charity Lane. And that comes from the old King James translation of the word for love, agape, used in 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, you know, we translate it love, but the scholars in 1607 through 1611 chose not to use the word love. There was, you know, they were in the romantic era, you know, and so uh, they chose the word charity. And if you understand what charity is, that's giving uh, sacrificially for the sake of another, then you understand that. And so that's why I thought charity lane and selfless love capture what is the divine intention of marriage. I know one of the phrases I include in every marriage ceremony I do, I work it in there somewhere, even if they want to write their own vows, is try to outserve each other. You know, yes. If you're trying to outserve each other, you're going to be okay in most instances, especially when you look inward. And and like you said, you know, following your wife around the house in a circle, if if you stop for a second and say, "Am I really serving her more than me?" you you would stop walking because you realize, "Wait, she's walking because she wants something. I need to yes. either stop and and not be what she doesn't want or figure out what she wants and give it to her." And so trying to outserve each other will, will help a lot, especially in those what I call minor kind of incidents. I don't want this or I don't want that. You can work through that a little bit quicker if you're just thinking, yeah. what does she want? I'm not giving her. Well, there are two things, uh, uh, Jerry and Brandon, about that. They, first of all, we have help. If we're believers, we have the spirit of God within us helping us to be selfless. You know, right. uh, the other thing is what couples discover, I have discovered it, my wife and I have discovered it, is that when we do that, selflessly serve one another, that's where the real happiness is. Right. When you do something for somebody else, you see them excel, whom you love uh, as a man loves a woman, a woman loves a man, but you see them doing well, that is so fulfilling. That is, that's the sprinkles on the cake. Oh yeah. But you can't get it. You can't maintain it. The other way, <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, so uh, happiness is like a butterfly. 
you know, you chase it, you can't catch it. If you be still, it'll land on you. But the problem with butterflies is so ephemeral. You know, it only lasts a few days. Right. So that happiness that we seek when we're courting and when we married and when we're during the wedding and just after that, that, that's, that doesn't last long. Right. Uh, it can, but you have to get it a different way. Right. You know, it's not hormones. I mean, I fell in lust with my wife before I live and fell in love with her. Right. But uh, uh, and, and, you know, God used that. But that would not that we wouldn't be together, wouldn't have been together 43 years if that, you know, especially me being an old man now getting 65 <laughs> this year. I mean, hey, exactly. that, that stuff is wonderful, but not quite the same when I was 21, 22. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you coming on. If people want to get in touch with you and find out about the book launch and uh, make sure that they are on the list to get that, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, my website is uh, www.selflesslove.net, and I will have on there um, uh, a selflesslove.net forward slash BTR beyond the rut. If people will just go to that, then, uh, I'll have there a little description of what I do and, and there's there'll be a place for them to connect with me. Uh, we can then get on my calendar and we will talk just as soon as we can. Um, I also have some books that I'm willing to give away to the first, uh, you know, uh, 25 people who are willing to come on. I'll be glad to sign it and mail it to you. We'll make sure we have all that in oh, the yeah. show notes and Definitely. all that kind of good stuff. So if you're driving or working out, listening to this, thinking, I can't write that down. It'll be in the show notes. Go to the uh, website, beyondtherut.com, and we'll have it all right there. Now, if people want to just come over and stay for a few days, what's your home address that people can just come to? <laughs> uh, let me uh, talk to my wife first about that. <laughs> My my youth pastor got married last night, and uh, her and her husband are going to uh, Cancun today. And I, after the wedding, I went up and was congratulating them. And I told him, I said, she didn't let me know what time the plane takes off tomorrow. So what time should I be at the airport? And he said, I'm going to text you. Just wait by the phone, and I'll text you. <laughs> yeah. awesome. so Hold your breath. That, yeah, we'll text that address soon. It'll be up on the website someday. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Bill. This was a great discussion. I hope people go and get that book and uh, and just connect with you because I know you do a lot of coaching too and, and yes. find out ways that they can build their relationship and, and, and really strengthen that marriage purpose instead of just the temporary happiness. Well, that's my goal is to take people who who don't need to be in counseling, but who want to improve their relationship and take it, you know, I call it up-leveling their marriage a bit, you know. Uh, I would love to, to help and I can do that. Have done it. Uh, Jerry and Brandon, it's been terrific to be here with you today. Thank you. You've been very easy to, uh, to, to be with today. And I, I appreciate that. So blessings on you. And, uh, and next time your bride, Jerry says something about, um, you didn't really just send her to my book and let her read that section, <laughs> yes. you know, you uh, so you're not the only one. We guys don't take hints. We're not real good at some of this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She just knows uh, this a piece of paper. Yeah. Tell us what we're supposed to do. We'll be more than happy to do it. She's become That's right. direct in her communication with me. And, well, she always has been. Yep. She wanted to know if I was going to marry her. And there you go. She asked. She's, She's a, a smart one. So yeah, it, it, 
She got what she wanted. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Bill. We really appreciate Thank you. It. And uh, we will definitely talk soon. All right. Take care. If you like everything you heard in this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 231. There you'll find a link to Bill's website, his book, and some related episodes on healthy marriage and what are those key ingredients to have a thriving marriage. Now, as you listen to this episode, also keep in mind that Brandon and I are going to be launching a multi-part series about practical tips for you to have a thriving marriage with your spouse. And we're going to base this on a combination of things. We're going to base it on some research that's come out recently. We're also going to base it on our own personal experiences, what has worked for us, what has not worked for us, and hopefully you can draw some lessons from that as well. Now, we're so glad you joined us this week, and the best way you can show your thanks is to pay us forward. So if you know somebody who would love this topic or any of the topics we've covered in the past, share those episodes with a friend, a family member, a coworker, or that neighbor across the street. Yes, if you have not done that yet, I encourage you to do so. And then just tell us how that went because we haven't done that ourselves. We just simply share it with the people we know. Now, we know that you joined us this week. We definitely look forward to joining you again next week. And until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. On Beyond the Rut, we talk about there are five circles in our lives that or five compartments in a sense. and Five boxes. Five boxes, five containers, five Tupperware pieces, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> there are five Fs uh, in our lives. And, and for us, we feel those are our faith, our families, our fitness, our finances, and our future growth. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself... I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.